0: Welcome to Lumpin' Week in Review, the show that covers the past week of news, happenings, and programs presented on Lumpin' Radio. This week, we discussed underground cinema, discovered a lost history of the Chicago outfit, and chewed over anarchy. All this plus the Trump Diaries, Size Matters, and AWCYFM only on the Lumpin' Week in Review for November 13, 2020. I-94 spoke to John Corbett, collector and gallery owner, about his discovery of a 1933 manuscript detailing the Chicago Outfit. Corbett discussed his facsimile release of the manuscript, entitled Bullets for Dead Hoods, and delved into the hows and whys of the enduring fascination we have with gangsters. I-94, lumpen Radio's books and literature show, airs every Thursday and Sunday at 11 a.m.
1: And, you know, it's unusual that we have a curator or a salvage person on the show. John, could you explain a little bit about what I'm hinting at?
2: Sure, yeah, I'm happy to uh, uh, be here and happy to mention that. I am um, kind of an inveterate uh, uh, stuff magnet and ended up finding this manuscript um, about 10 years ago uh, at a junk store, basically, and uh, um, uh, uh, it was sort of an astonishing find and, uh, thought about trying to find some way to put it out in the world. And the best way to do it seemed to me to be just to make a facsimile of it and let people make of it what they will.
1: This would have been an extremely dangerous thing to put on paper. Oh yeah. I think so.
2: And I mean, I'll give you, you know, for context, I was showing it to my father, um, And my 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 father grew up in River Forest uh, and um, he actually knew he was friends with the children of one of the figures in the book. Um, And I was I had done a draft of the introduction that mentioned that. And my father said, I don't think I really want to have any. um, I don't want to be in writing connected with that family that way and i mean so now you know we look at I, I when he said that to me i thought to myself oh that's so funny and then i thought that's no, not really funny it's actually he's of that generation <clears throat> that for whom that was there was no joke it wasn't the sopranos it wasn't it was you know very real and very scary
3: well and john you mentioned in the introduction your great-grandfather uh who's a doctor uh in quotes underworld doctor you want to tell us a little bit about that cuz i we you know you tie in how you know you can't spit in chicago with up hit, hitting some reference to the to the outfit at that time you want to tell us a little bit about
2: uh, what you wrote in your introduction sure <clears throat> my uh Uh, My family doesn't have a super uh, rich connection to the mob, but there is this one incident that happened. I think it was in 1920s, 1924. If I don't, if I'm, I'm. uh, That's what it's. I have it right in front of me. That's what this is. And it was the Rondout uh, uh, train robbery, Uh, maybe still the biggest train robbery in the United States in history. Um, And uh, it was a almost botched job in which uh, um, one of the uh, bandits actually shot another one, and when they brought him back to town, my great-grandfather started the Corbett Clinic in 1915 uh, on Lake Street, and it was uh, still there at the time. Actually, it was still there until the late 80s, early 90s, Um, but Uh, They came back and asked my great-grandfather, well, they demanded that he actually accompany them to their hideout uh, to see this guy who'd been shot. And um, they they blindfolded him. They came to the clinic, they blindfolded him, and they took him there. My great-grandfather knew that region like the back of his hand. So when they unblind, when they took the blindfold off at their hideout, my grandfather knew exactly where it was. He knew what it was and where it was. (laughs) And they uh, and all he said to them was, you've got to get this guy to a hospital. I can't do anything for him. I don't know what you're thinking. They put the blindfold on him. He took him back to the hospital and against everybody's advice and his better judgment, he called the police and told them exactly where they were. And then years later, um, when the 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 um, the dynamite master for the uh, for the uh, escapade got out of jail, the day after he got out of jail, the Corbett Clinic was bombed. And so there had been a plan the whole time to um, get some some kind of retaliation. Nobody was hurt. It was done in the middle of the night. So. Uh, anyway, that's that's my connection to uh, that's the closest connection that I have to the Chicago outfit. But uh, <clears throat> it, it was it was very real for my family in that sense. Yeah, uh, uh,
4: I bet. You know, also in the introduction, you uh, you mentioned trying to date the manuscript. Um, you mentioned it being no later than 34 because uh, Al Capone's brother was was still in jail at the time yeah and so th- it sounds like there were some um analysis through reading the text itself did you did you go to any lengths to like get the the paper analyzed and the and the ink analyzed to see w- where it came from i did not
2: um that is still something that could be done i mean uh, um the very funny and totally nonchalant way that this manuscript was produced for me yeah, uh, gave me no reason to believe that it had been uh, manufactured. Uh, maybe, who knows? I I can't really kind of imagine that it, it, it was, but um, um, that's still something that we could do. Uh, I think uh, uh, I have no reason to believe that there's anything strange about it. Um. Also, just given the way that it, the way that it seems to have been edited at some point with somebody a second hand in there, sort of trying to mark it up yeah. and um and maybe ready it to be uh to be published somewhere. Uh, uh, I think at a later date. Uh, you know, I I gave my best shot at uh, um detective work, uh, trying to figure out. It was pretty
4: convincing.
3: It. Yeah. I. I also, you know, it ended in 1933, correct? The, You mean the, uh, the, the manuscript? Yeah.
2: Yeah, as far as I can tell. Yeah. yeah,
3: and that was the year Prohibition ended. I wonder if that was just like, okay, well, this is going to calm down now. I mean, I we could speculate the guy could have died or went to jail yeah. or m- multiple things. But well, the,
4: yeah, that, that's kind of what's fun about it is speculating which side it might be from, you know, whether it was uh, it, somebody on the inside who was a mole or if it was uh, – detective work.
1: See, I actually, and I thought about it when I read it. I'm sure, John, you're familiar with the the Chicago Mm -hmm. Confidential volume, which was passed around. It was written by Sun Times and a city news report, of course. A very famous uh, book that was updated multiple times, a very gossipy kind of uh, inside story of of Chicago from the same period. I I got the feeling that this was actually the work of a city reporter.
2: You know, I didn't. I'm in in a way publishing it as a um, as a facsimile is an invitation for that in my view. It's sort of like this is a thing that can be passed around and I'm sort of hopeful somebody's gonna come forward and say uh, I have a pretty good idea who might have worked on this. Uh, to go, uh, to back up to what you were saying about the uh, particular context of Chicago in, in, in the national scene at the time, the other thing that's significant is the advent of the WPA if we're talking about it from Absolutely, an arts. Yes. And I, I, you know, as someone who's um, dealt with a lot of work from that period, from thirties and into the forties, um, it's so interesting to me to to think about this on the one hand being the national view of Chicago versus a competing view that might have been one that other that civic leaders, for instance, might have wanted or that cultural figures in, in the city might have wanted to put forward that had to do with looking at it as a, a, a central Midwestern hub for the WPA and the WPA's efforts.
0: Frankie Foster. Foster, whose right name is Citro, he being a brother of John Citro, was one of the earliest bootleggers and importers of Canadian whiskey. He quickly associated himself with O'Banion and later Bugs Moran. Frankie loves clothes. He also loves guns. As Capone said in answer to the riddle, what is the difference between a little man and a big man, a Smith and Wesson? So Frankie has a gun pocket for every suit of clothes, and the lad has quite a wardrobe. In the spring of 1930, the G arrested him and a couple of pals as they were about to unload a freight car full of Northwood's whiskey. Four years earlier, he had broken into print in a polling place at 752 North Wells Street when his companion, Jaime Weiss, pulled a gun on an election judge. But his real bid for fame and fortune came in the Lingle case when they traced the death gun to Frankie, to whom it was allegedly sold by Von Francius, the sporting goods and arsenal man. That was before he had left Moran forces for those of George Drogan. They pinched Frankie in California, but Noel crossed the case back here June 19, 1931. The next month he was freed on a charge of jewel robbery. California wanted him for an extortion plot. They freed him. Then in the spring of 32, someone sent him up for six months and a $500 fine for toting a rod. That brings you up to date with him. You go on from here by yourself. Mario Smith talked to filmmaker Amir George about the Chicago Underground Film Festival, now showing online. George discussed his Black Radical Imagination program, the lure of film in these pandemic times, and whether or not movie theaters can survive. News from the service entrance airs every Thursday at 2. Joining me on
5: the phone, he has an entry in the Chicago Underground Film Festival, but that's not important to you. What's important is the film itself. It's Man of the People. It's a, uh, a political thriller surrounding the legacy of Chicago Mayor Harold Washington. It's a complex unfolding of his two campaign runs leading to his sudden and mysterious death during his second term. And Amir George is the filmmaker who is joining us on the phone. I actually have the man who made the film. What's up, man? What's up,
4: Marjorie? Thanks for having me
5: on today. Yeah, people have no idea how I, I know you as a very reserved young man. <laughs> <laughs> And this is so cool that you're on the show, man. How you been?
4: I've been great, man. I've been great.
5: Absolutely um, wonderful.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy about man. the people, uh, you know, playing tonight at Cuff. has been having, like, this, like, successful, like, festival run throughout the year. And I'm excited to finally, like, forward the show, like, in Chicago.
5: Tell me, tell me a little bit about the film without giving too much away. And, and tell me what inspired you to, uh, to take this on
4: uh The film, um, basically, it was a collaboration with myself and my Chicago Film Archives, uh, where they uh, where they commissioned me to basically make a film from their archives, and I found out they had all this Harold Washington footage, and I was like, man, I, I really want to work with some of that. Um, actually, my grandmother had campaigned for Harold Washington, so I grew up looking at his picture all the time and hearing all these stories, so... I was just acting on my own interests, and I, I also love politics a lot. So I thought it'd be good to dive in. and And my family has always uh, told me all these conspiracies they had around here in Washington. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, you know, like dive into to, to like some of those, or like through the film as well.
5: I know when he was alive, um, there was a bit of a mysticism about him, and his sudden death. Depending on who you ask, <laughs> there's a mm-hmm. million theories around it. Um, I, I think it's interesting that through your lens being a little, okay, I'm old, being a little bit younger than me. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and, and just the, what I, what I, my memories of that moment when he passed away was inane sadness and it was right before Thanksgiving. I want to say, uh, I want to say I was, I was living in Harvey, Illinois at the time and it broke me down. Mm. um. In a way, I'm still kind of messed up by it because I wonder what Chicago would have been like under another term or two of his leadership. Um, what do you think, and, and I mentioned mysticism earlier, what is the mysticism behind Harold Washington in your, in your perspective?
4: Man, you know, I'm looking through the footage, he was able, I was able to see a lot of the behind the scenes. You got to see a lot of like people who were kind of guiding him and leading him along, so I think that's adds to the mysticism of because he was this public figure, and in public figures you don't get to see so much behind the scenes um, that goes along with them. But also it's just him being this very positive person, you know, this very like strong personality. I mean, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even alive when he was actually mayor, so I just learned from like historical research. Um, but to me, it it dealt with just his. His uh,
5: more like political attitude. Because I can tell you, without question, when he won, and I, I'm sure you covered this in the film, when he he ran twice before he won once. That mm-hmm. first time he ran was kind of a disaster, but he he grabbed onto something that I think a lot of candidates ended up picking up: the ability to be able to have a conversation with everyone and not just one. Uh, group of people and he always credited that to him being a roosevelt university graduate the ability to be able to speak to anybody from any side of town and you think chicago is is polarized now it was a lot worse than my friend it was mm-hmm. it was tough and it, mm-hmm. i think one of the things i like about the fact that you tackled this subject is because people don't really if you weren't around you don't know, man. Chicago was a whole different kind of animal back in in the eighties. Um, what 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 do you see when you when you take on a subject like this? And and you you've got a lot of films under your belt now. I remember when you started. You got a lot of films <laughs> under your belt. <laughs> you got a lot of stuff under your belt now, and a lot of things that you've done. Is this one of those things that you could go go even further into? Um, and deeper into the legacy, and you also talked about the conspiracy theories part, without giving too much away of the film, but can you mm-hmm. can you go into that a little bit, too?
4: Well, the film is uh, no dialogue in the film. Um, there's, it's all told through a soundtrack uh, that was by uh, like Liniana, or by like Zofia, like Wasco, who uh, helped score the film. Mm. So, it's, it's really looking at just as much is really deep in the archive into trying to kind of just shape his identity, his relationship. The film really starts off with kind of looking at the people and the community and kind of them wanting some type of leader to rise up to to basically represent everyone. Mm. And kind of like it shows his inauguration and his uh, initial election and I kinda don't touch a little bit on um did like council wars a little bit and then and then also just like the, the the um which I consider like more like a fandom around him with like people wearing these buttons oh, and, yes. and checking themselves out with all like hair washing his face. So it was like this this like phenomenon that quickly just kinda ended, you know, abruptly. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what, what the film kind of builds itself around. But it's mostly around his relationship to the, organ- the community organizers and the people that supported him as well as his staff.
5: And I'm I'm willing to bet that there are elements for people who weren't around then that they will be able to try to uh, lay a path toward Barack Obama in terms of the community organizing, that that whole ability to be able to speak to to a, a, a willing audience and the almost fanaticism about Harold Washington and um, man it I, I am so excited for you that that hopefully young people will get a chance to see this just to see it man it was it was yeah. like the Bulls every day it was like <laughs> Michael Jordan every day with Harold Washington and it I'm not even like exaggerating it was quite a time to be in Chicago and that race between him and Bernie Epton was so intense. It, it was really something. Um, you're, you, you, you're a cultural observer um, and, and, and you've got a really good eye for things. What, what, as, a, as a filmmaker, if I said to you, hey, man, let's make a movie about the last four years of life on earth, uh, <laughs> and particularly here in America and in, in, in the uh, in the midst of this Trump storm that we've been in what's what's your what's your take on what we've seen A <laughs> deep breath that says it all right there <laughs> it's
4: been a political thriller i mean it's been all types of i feel like it's been like these multi-genre experience um that we've all uh that we all like been like impacted by uh definitely post-apocalyptic <laughs> uh vibes within that too um but i do see more like i'm always i'm more of of an optimistic person so where there's like darkness i'm always thinking about a light mm-hmm. being somewhere and uh you know like accessible somehow so i would say if i had to um think about uh what a film will look like with the last four years it would definitely be uh some major loud sounds in the soundtrack
5: yeah i'm sure <laughs> of that <laughs>
4: You know, and like the sounds of the people, I feel like that's what drives everything. I think that's what uh, drove Mary uh, Washington being elected. I think that's what drove us to be in the current like political state we're in, because um, we we had to pretty much like save ourselves um, from you know from the from pretty much disaster <laughs>
6: yeah.
4: that we're headed towards. Yeah.
5: What's, uh, what is the, in the, in the lens for you, uh, things that you might have, that might be working on that you can talk about. We got major motion picture coming soon. You need somebody to be in it. You're looking for a guy <laughs> to host a radio show. I, I got you. All
4: right. All right. Well, yeah, there's going to be something definitely down the line. In the next project I just finished, uh, sh- I sh- actually, uh, I like shooting a film. Um, it's a short, um, around like stuttering, mm. um, that will be out sometime like next year. Um, and this project, Hell Washington, uh, will start, uh, actually to make its run on, uh, some PBS networks,
5: actually next spring. Oh, nice. That's nice. Look at you. Look at you, <laughs> George. Look at you. For folks that, that haven't figured it out yet, I, I, I've had the pleasure of knowing Amir George for a minute when, uh, when the wonderful Karen Cross Durham approached me and, and, and Jamie Trecker about, uh having somebody from the Chicago Underground Film Festival on and she gave me the list she's like go through <laughs> I had told you this either She, <laughs> everybody plans it at the same time she said go through the list and tell me what catches your eye and I saw your name before I saw the film I was like Amir I haven't <laughs> talked to him and, yes this is perfect um I'm so proud for you and Thank of you. you and and I think the world is about to find out just how dope you are man you if they don't know already, they really are about to find out. It's your turn, brother, and uh, I, I think everybody, if they can, they should try to make a way to see Man of the People um, at the Chicago Underground Film Festival. Um, I want to make sure that I don't, uh, I, I don't want to let you go yet. I, I got one more really interesting thing, I think, to ask you. Okay. It, there, there are a lot of people here in Chicago who are amazing, are uh, talent-wise, amazing artists, visual artists, musicians, uh, everybody. If you could collaborate with any of these folks, if you haven't already, who would you like to try to run with and make <laughs> and make some, some uh, movie magic with? Oh, uh, man. And you uh, laugh, because you know I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. That's right. Well,
4: you know, um, someone I, I had the chance to work with last summer who... Uh, I'm hoping we make some more work together. Is there an Angel by Oh,
5: yes. I uh, really
4: love her music. It's very visual. And uh, we shot a music video last summer for our tempo, um, from her album. So I'm hoping to collaborate with her more. And I'm always open. I mean, I feel like I'm always meeting other uh, other like creators in the city. Um, so I'm always open. But that's always at the top of my list, I would say, Angel.
5: Yeah, she's something, too. That's that's my buddy. I'm a big fan. Man of the People, that's tonight, correct?
4: Tonight is going to be a drive-in, and I think it'll be available online after.
5: If you want more information about the Chicago Underground Film Festival, go to Cuff, that's right, C-U-F-F dot org, and make sure you check out Man of the People by my friend Amir George. George, man, look, when this is over and we can go outside and stay outside for more than five minutes at a time and not have to wear a face covering. I am looking forward to having a chance to sit with you. It's been a while.
4: Likewise, likewise, Mario. Thank you Mike, so much for reaching out and the interview as well. I appreciate it. Size
1: matters, size
0: matters. Kyle
1: Hey, uh, what's with the motorcycle helmet?
0: This is the VR helmet I built. Oh,
1: Wow, that, thats that's kind of cool.
0: Uh, the 3D mapping is a bit off.
1: That's wild, but I, I honestly didn't know you knew this sort of engineering.
0: Want to put it on, take it to our bridge for it?
1: Yeah, I do.
0: So remember, only navigate with the joystick. Do not, I repeat, do not use your feet. Okay. You're set, I'll be monitoring you for my master control upstairs.
1: Wow, this is insane. This looks exactly like the GoPro. Wow, hey, Hannah.. You copy? Yeah, this is amazing. This this looks too real, wow! I can I can even feel the beer tab. Did you map the entire space? Hey, uh, what what's going on here? Is there a narrative element to this experience?
0: Jamie,
7: I'm having a, a little trouble monitoring your user activity.
1: Hey, hey how do I open doors in this?
0: Double click that door. Wait, 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 what door? The
1: basement door. Jamie, please avoid yeah? that door.
0: Is that part of the puzzle isn't completed. Please go
1: back to. the... Uh, uh. This is kind of spooky. <laughs> this looks just like Tron. Only it's the co basement. Don't move. Kyle? Have you come to free us from Digital Ed? Uh, no. Uh, what is, what's Digital Ed?
3: In this reality, Digital Ed is like Donkey Kong. And like Mario, we must save the princess. Do you wish to proceed? Uh, of course. That sounds hilarious. Follow me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Whoa! Is that Digital Ed? He's huge. He's like six stories
3: tall. We must reach the top of the scaffold, but look out. He throws barrels of Mars beer, and he can only be defeated by hitting him three times with any of these. Uh,
1: green onions? Non-caloric sea salt infused donuts? Is that Becky? She's a lumpen?
3: Ooh, that's a good one. Throw it at him. All
1: right, take that, evil digital ed.
3: Quickly, let's hide what behind this heck? non-functional, awkwardly placed block. How many uh, levels do we save the princess? I am the princess. Uh, what? Jamie, this ain't no game. My chin strap got stuck, and I can't get out of my video game hat.
1: What the heck? Where are you in real life?
3: I have no idea.
1: Um, all right, well, I'll uh, I'll exit the game and see what no, I... Just
3: don't leave me. If Digital Ed squashes you, you have to start from square one. This is the farthest I've ever made it.
1: Boy, the game can't be that big.
3: It is all of Bridgeport. What? I could be anywhere in real life.
1: Run! Yeah, sure, I'm. I'm coming with you, Kyle. This looks like the real outside. All
3: right, the object of this next level is to survive the gauntlet of Morgan and reach Maria's.
1: This is only virtual reality. It's
3: still a form of reality. Oh, the street's melting.
8: Quick, guys, hop on my back.
1: What happened to Jess? She's using her superpowers. She's a worm.
9: And a snake. Jamie, do you copy?
1: I copy you, Hannah.
9: Don't talk to her. We're
3: playing a game.
8: What
1: are you doing? Uh, we're on the back of Snake Jessica trying to feed the digital
3: edge so we can free Kyle. Jamie, hang up on it. We gotta get the Maria so I can be free from this repetitive
0: hell. Jamie, don't hang up.
1: Kyle's trapped in his helmet.
0: They're not
1: real. What are you talking about?
2: They're just characters in the game. I said hang up.
1: Maybe we should hang him Jamie, up. Jamie, take off
3: the helmet quick. Don't you dare take off that helmet off. Ha,
2: prepare to be supper, suckers. Yeah, let's eat them. See
1: you guys in real life. Oh, uh, where am I? How did I get out uh, here? Jamie, where, where are? You? Do you copy? Yeah, uh, I took the helmet off. I, I guess I for, uh, I forgot to navigate with the joystick. Use my legs. I'm somewhere. Come on, troop. Oh, thank,
0: thank goodness. You're the first person to get the helmet off.
1: Is this real life now? Yeah. This week on the Trump Diaries, aides say Trump is in total denial about his election loss and will not confront reality. Republicans enable Trump as he claims he won. Trump orders the White House not to assist Joe Biden with the transition. We could see exponential virus growth in the U.S. And Trump begins to staff for a second term as he suffered a psychotic break. These are the Trump Diaries. Day 1388, November 7th. Joe Biden was elected the 46th President of the United States with an overwhelming win in the Electoral College and more than 5 million votes in the popular count. Biden's win was greeted with wild celebrations across the world as celebrants took to the streets. Fireworks were set off in London, Paris' church bells rang, and people danced in the streets of New York, Philly, Atlanta, and Chicago. Joe Biden became the oldest man elected to the presidency. His running mate, Kamala Harris, became the first woman and first woman of color to win the vice presidency. In rising speeches that echoed the tone that President Obama had struck in 2008, Biden noted he had lost elections too and called for peace and unity. Biden and Harris also extended olive branches to the Republican party. However, Republicans refused to congratulate Biden publicly even as they privately conceded the election is over. Trump was greeted with chants of loser, loser, loser and profanities as he returned to Washington, D.C. Trump continued to claim falsely that he won the election by a lot and claimed he is pursuing legal action. Aides have described Trump as in complete denial that he has been fired. Shortly before news organizations called the race for Biden, Trump tweeted, quote, I won this election by a lot. In a statement from his golf club, Trump claimed the election was far from over and accused Joe Biden of rushing to falsely pose as the winner. Quote, beginning Monday, our campaign will start prosecuting our case in court to ensure election laws are fully upheld and the rightful winner is seated. The Trump campaign has already filed and lost multiple lawsuits alleging voting violations in several states. Trump tweeted on Saturday there would be a, quote, lawyers news conference from the Four Seasons Philadelphia at 11 in the morning. Trump, unfortunately, did not mean the luxury downtown hotel near the city's convention center. He was referring instead to a business called Four Seasons Total Landscaping. The landscaping business happens to be situated near a porn shop, Fantasy Island adult bookstore, and a crematorium. The bizarre conference, booked by a wild-eyed Rudy Giuliani, came as news of Biden's win broke. White House officials called the entire episode another Rudy special. And a man featured at Giuliani's press conference is a convicted sex offender who was repeatedly run for office in New Jersey. Daryl Brooks, who claimed he was a Republican poll watcher, was incarcerated in the 1990s on charges of sexual assault, lewdness, exposing himself, and endangering the welfare of a minor. He exposed himself to two girls ages 7 and 11. Meanwhile, Trump's campaign election night watch party in the White House East Room is now being eyed as a possible super spreader event. Ben Carson, who is the Secretary for Housing and Urban Development, is the latest attendee to test positive. Chief of Staff Mark Meadows also contracted the virus. This while the U.S. recorded more than 1,000 coronavirus deaths for the fourth straight day. The U.S. also set a daily record for new cases for the third straight day, with more than 132,700 new cases. Day 1389, November 8th. On the Sunday news shows, Republicans parroted Trump's views on the election. Newt Gingrich, the former Republican Speaker of the House, told Fox, quote, I think that it is a corrupt, stolen election. Lindsey Graham claimed if Republicans don't challenge and change the U.S. election system, quote, there will never be another Republican president elected again. Meanwhile, members of Trump's White House staff and even his campaign staff realize he has lost. Top advisors, including Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, have urged Trump to consider concession. However, Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani, his son-in-law Jared Kushner, and others have instead urged Trump to hold rallies to challenge the election result. Giuliani also wants to expand the legal challenge to the election that would include previously bumped claims as voting by dead people. Trump fired the leaders of the agencies responsible for the nation's nuclear weapons stockpile, electricity and natural gas regulation, as well as overseas aid. The White House declined comment on those firings. Pfizer announced that its vaccine for coronavirus appears to have 90% efficacy. That would put the vaccine near such magic bullet vaccines as childhood measles. Pfizer also said it had few to no side effects. Pfizer, of course, did not join Operation Warp Speed, the Kushner initiative to rush a vaccine to market by providing funding for research and manufacturing. Instead, Pfizer invested $2 billion in the project and then made a $2 billion deal with the U.S. government to provide 100 million doses. News of Pfizer's breakthrough led Donald Trump Jr. to tweet, quote, The timing of this is pretty amazing. Nothing nefarious about the timing of this at all, right? Apparently, Trump... In private, has also complained to aides that Pfizer screwed him, allowing Joe Biden to steal the election. A Trump administration appointee is refusing to sign a letter, allowing the president-elect's transition team to formally begin its work this week. The administrator of the General Services Administration, a low-profile agency nominally in charge of federal buildings, has a little-known role when a president is elected. They must sign the paperwork in what amounts to a formal declaration by the federal government outside of the media of the winner of the race. GSA Administrator Emily Murphy has yet to write a letter, and the Trump administration has no plans to sign one. Day 1390, November 9th, Biden pleaded for Americans to wear masks to slow the spread of the coronavirus on a day when he moved quickly to assert some control over the transition. Announcing a 13-member virus advisory team, Biden said that, quote, a mask is not a political statement and that the United States was facing a very dark winter. Cases passed 10 million on Monday morning and are accelerating. Trump responded by calling the president-elect an ambulance chaser. He had commented approvingly on a potential coronavirus vaccine. Biden also said he will bring an end to America First, a slogan that came to define the United States that built walls and made working with allies an afterthought. Biden also said he will re-enter the Iran nuclear deal and double down on American commitments to NATO. Meanwhile, Republicans continue to line up behind Trump. Mitch McConnell said Trump was 100% within his rights to challenge the outcome and quote look into allegations of irregularities and weigh his legal opinions. McConnell said Trump was also right not to concede the presidential race because no states have certified their results yet. Jason Miller, a senior advisor, said, quote, conceding is not even in our vocabulary right now. Trump continued to move to purge individuals as if he had won a second term, firing the Defense Secretary Mark Esper, saying in an dropped tweet that Esper had been terminated. Esper is expected to be one of several officials Trump fires in the coming days, largely in retaliation for failing to obey his whims. Esper refused to use military forces to stifle summer protests in American cities, noting it would be illegal. Trump and his team continue to circulate fabricated claims of a stolen election and voter fraud and are flooding the internet purposely with falsehoods. In a particularly brazen example, some users who entered the search phrase Biden loses PA into Google were directed to a page set up by the Trump team topped with a YouTube video entitled Biden loses Pennsylvania and loses president elect status. If the term Biden loses is entered, another video appears entitled breaking news, Biden loses president elect status. These claims are false. Trump now plans to hold campaign-style rallies in an effort to fight against the election results. He also reportedly plans to display the obituaries of people who supposedly voted, but of course are dead. And Trump's campaign has been soliciting money for an election defense fund and other efforts to challenge the votes in Nevada, Pennsylvania, and elsewhere. However, according to the fine print, 50 to 60% of the money donated will go toward paying off Trump's campaign debt. Also, the unusual way the campaign is divvying up the contributions has drawn scrutiny from watchdogs who say Trump and his immediate family are poised to financially benefit from the arrangement. Day 1391, November 10th. In a break with precedent, William Barr authorized federal prosecutors to begin investigating quote, substantial allegations of voter irregularities across the country. That is a stark break with longstanding practice and despite a lack of evidence of any major fraud. Barr wrote to U.S. Attorneys giving them the green light to pursue, quote, substantial allegations of voting and vote tabulation irregularities. Barr admitted in the letter that such a move by federal prosecutors to intervene in the thick of an election has traditionally been frowned upon. Barr denounced that as, quote, a passive and delayed enforcement approach. Within hours of that letter, the Justice Department official overseeing voter fraud investigations, a man named Richard Pilger, resigned from his position. Trump's campaign filed a lawsuit in Pennsylvania aiming to block state officials from certifying Biden's victory. The lawsuit brought by the campaign and two registered voters claims Pennsylvania's mail-in voting system, quote, lacked all of the hallmarks of transparency and verifiability that were present for in-person voters. Former acting FBI Director Andrew McCabe reiterated the bureau did have reason to believe in early 2017 that Trump was a threat to national security. Quote, it became pretty clear to us that he did not want us to continue investigating what the Russians had done. We had many reasons at that point to believe the president himself might pose a danger to national security and that he might've engaged in obstruction of justice. If the firing of the director and those other things were geared towards eliminating or stopping our investigation of Russian activity. The White House also formally instructed senior government officials not to cooperate with Biden's transition team. The Biden-Harris transition team is considering illegal action if the administration doesn't formalize Biden's win and give them access to agencies and transition funding. Biden's campaign, however, anticipating Trump's actions raised $5 million to aid with the transition on their own. The White House Budget Office instructed federal agencies to continue preparing the Trump administration's budget proposal for the next fiscal year. Now, the budget proposal is typically issued in February, which is at least two weeks after Trump leaves the White House. The White House is also vetting political appointees for job openings in the federal government, and the White House intends to fill those early next year. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told reporters when asked about the transition, quote, there will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. Pompeo also announced plans to add multiple layers of new sanctions on Iran. When asked by a reporter how he could reconcile Trump's actions with the State Department's admonishment of other nations to, quote, respect the winners of elections, Pompeo replied, quote, that's a ridiculous question and you're a ridiculous person. Trump later congratulated him on Twitter, quote, that's why Mike was number one in his class at West Point. Day 1392, November 11th. A partisan election officials in dozens of states said there was no evidence of fraud in the outcome of the presidential race. In fact, election officials across the country say the process has been a remarkable success despite record turnout and a dangerous pandemic. Trump, however, has moved to harness the power of the federal government to resist the results of an election he lost, something that no sitting president in American history has ever done. Trump has moved to install loyalists in key positions at the National Security Agency and the Department of Defense. He is expected to fire the directors of the FBI and CIA. Embassy officials were told today to steer clear of any efforts to help Biden meet with foreign leaders who want to congratulate him. Republicans are asking Pennsylvania's legislature to ignore the will of the voters in their own state and stand electors for Trump to the Electoral College instead. Biden won Pennsylvania. Top GOP officials, however, are pressuring members of the Pennsylvania House to nominate their own electors who would vote for Trump instead of Biden. The Republican le- legislature in Michigan is also investigating the election, as are Republicans in Wisconsin. There is no evidence of wrongdoing in either state. And a Pennsylvania postal worker whose claims of voting irregularities have been cited by top Republicans as potential evidence admitted to U.S. Postal Service investigators, he made up those allegations. That, according to three officials, briefed on the investigation and a statement made to a House Congressional Committee. The acting Under Secretary of Defense was replaced by Anthony Tata, a retired Army one-star general who has called Islam, quote, the most oppressive violent religion and called former President Obama a terrorist leader. Padas' comments led him to withdraw from consideration for the top Pentagon policy job in August amid the partisan opposition. Trump also moved to install Keshat Patel. He is a former aide to Representative Devin Nunes, Republican of California, as chief of staff to the new acting defense secretary, Christopher Miller. Both are seen as hardcore Trump loyalists and partisans. And since Trump's defeat, QAnon has fallen silent. Q, the nominal leader of that, has failed to post on 8kun, the website where all of Q's posts appear. QAnon-related activity on the site has slowed to a trickle. There were fewer new posts on 8kun's most active QAnon board than on his board for adult diaper fetishists. Game 1,393 November 12. Trump's continuing refusal to assist Biden's transition led to a break, with prominent Republicans today warning that keeping the president-elect in the dark potentially endangers the United States. Key Republicans, including Senator Roy Blount and Ohio's Michael Wine, urged Trump to accept defeat. Those calls amounted to a growing acknowledgement in the Republican Party that Biden, in fact, won the election. Georgia has moved to a hand recount of that state's election, a move that is unlikely to erase Biden's narrow lead there, but has become a political football. Georgia also has two Senate races heading to a January runoff. Those will decide control of the U.S. Senate. Georgia's new recount will go further than the scan recount required by law. It will apply only to the presidential election. Nationally, Biden has widened his popular vote lead to well over 5 million. His college lead is insurmountable. The Trump administration is trying to deport several women who alleged they were mistreated by a Georgia gynecologist at a detention center for immigrants. ICE deported six patients who said they were forced to have hysterectomies while in custody. Following additional complaints, ICE lifted holds on other deportations and told the women they faced imminent removal. A Mississippi legislature said his state should succeed, not secede, from the rest of the United States and form its own country. Representative Price Wallace's tweet was seen as a throwback to the Confederacy or it would be if he knew how to spell or the English language. 70% of Republicans say they don't believe the 2020 election was free and fair. 78% of them blame mail-in voting. At least 32 people in the White House orbit have been infected with COVID-19. Trump has launched Trump 2024, a campaign pack to run for re-election. These are the Trump Diaries.
0: Chuck Mertz spoke to political theorist Ruth Kinna about anarchism. Kinna discussed anarchism's long political tradition, why the term is so often misunderstood, and why capitalists greatly fear anarchist theory and thought. This is Hell airs every Sunday at 10 a.m.
8: Here to help us understand a political idea that is older than anarchy itself, political theorist Ruth Kinna is author of The Government of No One, The Theory and Practice of Anarchism. Welcome to This is Hell, Ruth.
7: So I think one of the things about Seattle is it reminded people that you don't need political parties in order to to organize actively and, and politically and to to make a statement and to express your your ideas. And I think the reason that the, uh, the the global justice movement was was thought of as being anarchist was because it was um it was a network, it was horizontal, it was leaderless. It didn't seem to have a a political program. It had a set of principles and benchmarks, but basically it it brought people together across the world without any um, sort of central um, organization, if you like. It, It was a grassroots movement, and that was why I think it was associated with anarchism.
8: So is anarchism then, is it a political ideology? Is it a political concept, or is it just an ongoing conversation about how to attain egalitarianism?
7: I think it's 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 a it's a practice. It's a way of thinking about socialist politics, and I think there's a um, a distinctive tradition of, of of thinking within socialism that we can we can call anarchist, um, which is uh, distinguished partly by its its rejection of of central party organisation and, and programmatic politics. But but importantly, the the reason that it's it's marked by that is because anarchists don't seek to take power. Uh, they seek to empower um, people and each other uh, from the bottom up. Uh, they're not interested in, in seizing control in order to, to tell people what to do.
8: Do you think that is a big part of why it's misunderstood? Because everybody else is all about just, especially here in the United States today, it's all about just winning, no matter what impact they might have on democracy or not.
7: I think it's partly, I think it's misunderstood partly because it seems to Reject everything that we hold as essential to our political order. So, in rejecting political parties, in rejecting the institutions of the state, in rejecting the institutions of government, it appears to be entirely negative. But I think that's—I think that's a mistake. I think the other reason that it's—it's it's misunderstood is is simply because anarchists adopted for their own uh, to describe their own politics a, a term that was already associated with chaos. So the idea that um, we have these political institutions in order to avoid tearing each other to pieces because we can't cooperate uh, by ourselves and we can't organize our political affairs ourselves is quite a, a profound um, a prejudice, if you like, and one that anarchists want to attack, but uh, which is, it's very difficult to, to um, encourage people to, to re-examine those kinds of ideas.
8: So why embrace a term that already meant chaos?
7: <laughs> it's a good question. I suppose because, um, I mean, when it was first adopted in the 1840s, um, I mean, we didn't have the same sort of institutions. And this was in this was in Europe in the 1840s, in France in particular. I mean, those those institutions didn't exist in the same um, degree. But but nevertheless, I think one of the things that the anarchists wanted to draw attention to was the fact that they they weren't just another. Um, player on the ideological scene, that they were they were fundamentally questioning the principles of order that were being advocated pretty much by everybody, whether they thought of themselves as as conservative or republican or or radical or or however they designated their politics. Uh, that the fundamental assumption that uh, that people can't cooperate and develop institutions and practices uh, by themselves is is the idea that they wanted to to question and to challenge and i think that's why they adopted the you know the the provocative term of of, of anarchist
8: so you write that uh, the movement was by turns uh, dismissed as unbalanced and unthinking when it comes to anarchism my original question was going to be what does that reveal about uh you know why is there this belief that anarchism is unbalanced and uh, unthinking but i i think a better question to ask is what does that reveal about the person who sees anarchism that way as unbalanced and unthinking? What does that reveal about their understanding of anarchism?
7: I guess it's a knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? And and the, I mean, I I think you know a lot of movements or a lot of movements that challenge the status quo are often um, dismissed as being uh, idealistic, utopian, uh, unreasoning, uh, impossibilist. And, and, you know, we can look back in history and, and see a sort of a whole um, catalogue of these kinds of movements. I mean, it's not that long ago that, that people who call themselves Democrats were being dismissed as, as, as crazy people uh, who, who were advocating mob rule and, and, and the disorder of, 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 of natural hierarchy as, as, as if that was uh, an, an impossible dream. So I think there's a kind of a, a knee-jerk reaction and, a, and an unwillingness, I guess, to, to engage with the literature of anarchism and and the movements that anarchism has spawned.
0: This week we debut a tune from local act Red Spot Rhythm Section. This is their brand new single, Hard to Give Thanks. Special thanks to August Forte.
6: It's hard to give thanks when you're feeling low, boy It's hard to give thanks when you're feeling low I'm looking deep into your eyes Wondering what I'm seeing there You gave me the best years of your life, that's true But I fear my future's off somewhere. It's hard to give thanks when you're feeling low, boy It's hard to give thanks when you're feeling low it's hard to give thanks when you're feeling low It's hard to give thanks when you're feeling low I'm putting down our kid for bedtime Say, what are you thankful for? He says I can't be thankful for nothing today Turn out the light when you close the door
2: It is A-W-C-Y-F-M. There
9: were a number of photos taken of Chicago using right. the lineman spectrum. Just,
10: I mean, these photos, though. Like, you, we've seen some great photos of Chicago. Right. And Chicago is known for being a very... A very photogenic city mm-hmm. with its with its tall skyscrapers and and, and beautiful spall- sprawling uh, uh, seaside and, and it's like a wonderful ar- architecture yeah, as well. Beautiful. You'll get no debate from me on but that the, one. But these photos, yes. the, these photos, we got them. We got Chicago from angles never before seen.
9: Right, right. We got
10: things, we got information from
9: Chicago never before discovered. Right, and and so my to my my question would be, though, is that... Um, All
10: thanks to the awesome AI. Uh,
9: d- yes, that's... I'm glad you brought that up because I think... Um, I don't know if there's some sort of data uh, I- interpolation going on or some sort of um, uh, deep learning algorithm mm-hmm. uh, or what have you, but it, it's some of the, the things... That it's been seeing in Chicago have not aligned with what I see physically in Chicago and in my time going around Chicago.
10: So what you're saying is is a regime shattering, and I 100% agree.
9: W- well, well, for example, there's there's a bunch of streets that I that have been detailed, of course, and most of them as expected. But there's a few that I I, I do not recognize. I've attempted to search for them in through other sort of um, maps, uh, physical maps, mm-hmm. online maps. Um, Morehouse Avenue. Morehouse Avenue. I've That does not appear. that That is a street that appears from the Myers-Halstead
10: satellite photo and, that I cannot place physically. And isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that these satellites are capable of, of, of seeing things that so many have missed? over the over the course of, of, of mapping things out. I mean Chicago is a dynamic city. Chicago is a city that is that is in the way that it's designed, it's a great design it's a it's a wonderfully designed city. Well, it's it's numbered, it's gridded a little bit and it, it, it's certainly
9: very dynamic, but I, I don't know if dynamism is necessarily accounting for Rum runners lane, Kafka Street. These are not places that to the best of my knowledge and the best of the research that I could do exist. So, is there?
10: Uh, could you address that discrepancy a little bit? The, the discrepancy that that the that the, the, the Myers Halstead satellites are capable of seeing a Chicago that so many miss. I mean, Chicago as we know is a city of of the the haves and have nots of the seen and unseen. And, and truly, and truly, the, the myers halstead satellites. Okay, un, un,
9: okay, fair enough. But this is something I can actually speak to in, from immediate sort of experience. Sure. The photos show Highway I one hundred eleven running straight through the Simon Amy Institute next to the Arts Campus. Now that is where I work. That mm-hmm. is where this is broadcast from. I don't believe there's an I one eleven in America, and there is certainly not one going through the campus right now. So once again, uh, per- perhaps um, the yeah. What, what are you? What are you implying, Ron? Um, I'm just wondering if perhaps the AI that you're using is is the, is the awesome AI. That um, sure. Uh, maybe it's there's something a little
10: wrong there. Maybe you need some more debugging. <laughs> Rowan, are you are you saying there, are you saying there's something wrong with the awesome AI? Well, well, uh, okay. I, I would I would just say this now. Now, Rowan, you're you're saying that, that what your your personal experience is not matching up with with this data that that we these images this these conclusions that we've presented and sent over the new medias uh, that your eyes are incapable of seeing what these satellites are seeing, basically.
9: I, I'm not sure how that would pertain I, necessarily I, to an interstate.
6: Broadcast every Saturday 8 p.m.
0: The Lumpen Week in Review is produced by the staff and volunteers of WLPN LP Chicago, the community radio of the future. The Week in Review is overseen by Jamie Trecker, voiceovers by Shanna Van additional production by Cole Eisenberg, Julie Wu, Sergio Rodriguez, Neil Gaynor, Lane Gerbig, Alexander Jerry, John Piotrowski, Ari Schellist, and Annie Klein. Live music production by Ari Schellist. The Lumpen theme, background, and interstitial music is by Mike Perkins. The Lumpen Radio Sting is by Dan Jugel. For more information on Lumpen Radio, visit lumpenradio.com.